It On is a public affairs program exploring the people, issues, and events affecting the African-American communities in South Central Indiana and beyond. Bring It On is a forum for the people, by the people, produced by an independent team of volunteers working at the studios of Community Radio WFHB in Bloomington, Indiana, and financially supported by listeners like you. Happy Monday, everyone. I'm Cornelius Wright, and welcome to Bring It On, a multiple award-winning program celebrating over 12 years as Indiana's only weekly community radio show committed to exploring the people, issues, and events impacting the African Americans. And good evening, I'm Amrita Myers, and to Cornelius's point, this Friday, Bring It On will once again receive one of the Society of Professional Journalists' Best in, Best in Indiana Awards. Our broadcast entitled A Conversation on Positive Community Interactions with Indiana State Police has been recognized under the Radio Public Affairs category. Congrats, team. We'll have you know that Amrita and William Hosea were part of the anchor team for that broadcast. Also in today's broadcast, you'll also hear from Liz Mitchell on a very special church restoration project in the French Lick area. All in the next hour on Bring It On. But first up, as a second year graduate student at Indiana University, William Palomo is frustrated with the current immigration policies of President Donald Trump. As an advocate for campus sanctuaries for undocumented immigrant students, he wants universities across the nation to adopt this status as a show of support for their students. William, along with Esmeralda Martinez, are part of an organization called the Undocu Hoosiers Alliance. They are hoping that IU can act as a sanctuary campus, such as prohibiting IU police from inquiring about a student's status as well as pledging not to report students who could be arrested. Other requests focus on things such as providing undocumented students with tuition scholarships and financial support for application and legal fees relating to documentation status. Willie Paloma and Esmeralda Martinez have joined us to further elaborate on concerns over new immigration policies and I think the newly renamed Undocu Hoosier Bloomington, if I'm not mistaken. Willie and Esmeralda, welcome to Bring It On. Thank you for Welcome having indeed. us. Welcome indeed. Thank you. Yeah. We are very excited to have you uh, both on tonight. Um, Willie, maybe we could just start with you and you could give us a little bit of the background of how Undocumented <coughs> Bloomington came into existence because I know that you were right at the heart of that. Yeah, so um, last spring semester there was an event called Undocu Poets where we brought two poets from across the nation to talk about um, issues having to do with their border with the border and their personal experience and there was a lot of energy left after that event of students and community members wanting to do something for the undocumented community in Bloomington but not having anywhere to direct that energy so over the summer me and Lillian Casillas um, worked over the Constitution for an undocumented student group I borrowed a lot from Washington State University's Crimson group it's their undocumented student group and my colleagues kind of nationwide who do this sort of work and then in August August, we set the ball rolling. Um, we Our big goals were to fundraise for like $1,000 scholarship and have an Indocu student week in April. And then Trump won the election and then there was a huge game plan shift um, plan because there was a lot more we were needed. Um, so now we've been involved with organizing Know Your Rights workshops. We have at least probably three um, tuition scholarships we're going to be able to offer. We've been able to offer money for bail bonds for families who've had their um, son detained. And we 
did do the undocumented student week as well, which we just got through um, two weeks ago. And we've been able to do other efforts being involved with holding rallies and in conversation with administration, hoping that they um, would provide more resources for support. And it's been like there's been some there's been some give um, from the administration and at least we're happy that they're starting to have these conversations. Um, but a lot of promises that were made that we'll see whether they follow up on. Now, I hate to mention our, our president's name, but since our president has taken office and obviously his uh, the talk that he had before the election was was alarming. For our listeners, tell them how many undocumented students or people in general mm -hmm. are in the area the plight that they're going through right now and some of the things that you're doing to tangibly help them right right now? So I don't have the numbers for the community, but when we speak about undocumented students, uh, numbers that they like touting about are about between 20 to like 35 students at Indiana University Bloomington, and if we're talking about the IU system, then about between 200 to 300 students. But what we like to center and foreground there is that these are just the students who have been able to make it into the system, right. been able to make it into um, the system of higher education, paying out-of-state tuition, not receiving financial aid, coming from low-income, first-generation backgrounds, oftentimes people of color. Um, so these, the number of students who should be at IUB is in the tens of thousands of undocumented students who have been affected by the policies, um, like Trump's policies, Indiana State, had horrific um, policies for undocumented communities prior to Trump. Um, so it's been something, a problem happening in Indiana for a long time. Um, but the numbers that should be represented in higher education should be in the tens of thousands. But because of all these barriers, they haven't been able to get here. Um, and as far as what we've been able to do to support communities directly, um, one of the ways we support like undocumented communities, like whoever, not just students directly, is the Know Your Rights workshops, mm. um, where we've been able to um, provide, with, along with lawyer Christy Pop, um, mm. through a coalition of organizations, including El Centro Comunal Latino, um, La Casa Latino Cultural Center, and a lot of other organizations, we've been able to provide a folder full of yes materials that are helpful to know. Um, things that are included in this folder include like ICE warrants, um, mm. basic like know your rights information, you know, the right to remain silent, things like that. Um, and yes, helpful tips for engaging with ICE. And this has been successful in our community. Um, one way we know is successful is the fact that ICE has had to change their ta tactics. Mm -hmm. um, so people stopped opening the door to ICE mm -hmm. because they knew that they didn't have to. So ICE has started to wait for people um, either on their way to a court date or on their way to work or on their way after dropping off kids to school. And this is something that ICE has had to do nationwide just because our communities are becoming more educated. Um, so it, it's a shifting target, of course, like we're mm -hmm. um, they're changing tactics as we're changing tactics. Um, and as far as what we've been able to provide for students, um, at our best, we are providing safe spaces for students just to be able to meet other undocumented students and also to like be able to vent and have that space to have somebody that relates with their experience. Um, but I feel like the most concrete we've been able to offer is um, 
the, the scholarships, which there's two that um, we're for sure are going to have happen. And then there's just some money that we're sitting on that we, we've already donated to the organization and we're in conversation with them about how these scholarships are going to be um, distributed. And that's Indiana Undocumented Youth Alliance um, mm-hmm. that's going to be mm-hmm. providing these scholarships. Um, so that's been a very positive effort that we've had going forward. And then there's just the conversations we have with administration, which oftentimes we have undocumented students present. Um, to help just advocate and, you know, because we want to center their stories mm-hmm. and their voices um, and not come in as allies trying to speak over them, but we just help make these meetings happen and then um, tr- try talking about ways to change institutional policies to better help undocumented students. So, um, Esmeralda, let's move over to you just for a little bit. Um, I know that Willie was right at the heart of sort of helping to to bring Undocu Hoosier Bloomington into existence. I... It still blows my mind that it's only been like eight months, mm-hmm. really, right? I Seems mean, a lot longer. <laughs> it, I'm, yeah, it just, um, but the and the energy that you all have brought to campus and to the community is so needed and amazing um, and wonderful. So, um, Esmeralda, how did you get involved? What have you been doing this year? I know, and I know that you're going to be transitioning into a new role coming mm-hmm. this upcoming year. Right. So maybe you could tell us a little bit about what you've been doing and kind of the the planning for this next coming year that you're going to be involved with. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so it actually started at a poetry slam. Uh, Willie approached me and was like, "Hey, well, you Willie s- is a poet, so he right? Is a poet. I mean, this yeah. Is, yeah, I mean, uh, I we did gotta get a little this. sample before we leave tonight. <laughs> <laughs> You're on the radio, and I know that there's a, a an event coming up at Yule's Zing Coffee, so you know, we'll give you a chance to talk about that later as well. Right? Yeah. yeah but uh, so just continuing that, he approached me and was just like, "Oh, you seem like someone that would be interested in uh, like undocumented issues and just kind of like being an advocate." This is my first encounter with you. Do you remember this? I don't remember this at yeah. all. He just <laughs> walked up to time. you and said, hey, yeah. you look like you should be involved. Yeah, and <laughs> I was just like, oh, like, that's, <laughs> that's actually shocking because that's something that's always been very, like, prevalent to my, like, you know, my actual life. And mm-hmm. um, so just to know that there was something of this sort in my university uh, just, like, got me excited. And I think it was a couple, it might have been, like, a month or two went by before I actually like went to one of the meetings mm-hmm. and um, just like right then and there, um, just started to be more involved. It started off with uh, having a speech at like one of the Collins events. And I was like, that was my first time being involved. And that was back in, I wanna say November. So shortly after or before the elections. Um, and it just kind of like elevated to helping out with like fundraising for scholarships that's been my major role I would say um just like helping out with the poetry slams Mm -hmm. that we have once a month uh and then just trying to work with the whole crew to like um edit any petitions that we'd be having or like spreading the word Mm -hmm. um just small things like that significant things right significant things and then you're transitioning into a new role. Maybe you could tell yeah. us a little bit about um, that. So next year I'm going to be the campus chair, which is just going to be uh, the face of anything we do on campus, um, going to meetings with like the administrators and trying to like continue the conversation, but also just getting them to um, take action. Mm. Um, so that's, that's going to be a big task for next year. And then also just continuing to like form relationships with other student organizations, uh, community members, Mm. and to just kind of like make the, well, to like build a larger coalition of resistance in all reality. 
Now, Willie brought something up, and you kind of alluded to it uh, just a second ago, was the administration. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned how the administration had made some promises. I guess this is kind of two-pronged, uh, the administration and also the IU Police Department, as well as the other police agencies in the area. Have you had much discussion with them? What is their mindset on the new rules, the regulations? Um, so one administration, two police. Mm -hmm. So with the so tackling them both separately. Um, so with the administration, we've talked with Provost Rebel quite um, a bit. We've talked with the Bloomington Faculty Council. We've talked with the Office of Scholarships. Mm -hmm. And we've had small conversations, like not in person, with the residential program services and also with the Office of International Student Services. Um, we had one in-person conversation with a lower-level administrator there. And for the most part, um, the way those conversations happened, um, Bloomington Faculty Council made some promises regarding the social justice requirement in the curriculum um, as far as um, also looking into the potential for making a staff member who can support undocumented students. They haven't updated us in that for a while. Mm -hmm. And um, we're also students, so we haven't asked for an update in probably like a month or so. Um, but we're waiting to hear on that. And the one thing that they have promised is to create a fund through the IU Foundation where um, professors can donate. Um, so that would be for DACA students or undocumented students. Um, okay. I would be right there. Yeah, so hopefully that's actually happening, and mm -hmm. they didn't just say it was happening. Um, we've met with the Office of Scholarships, and they um, promised to they, – they haven't really changed anything that they're doing, um, as far as I can tell. Um, there is a new website that exists for DACA students, but um, it hasn't been promoted at all. So you can go, and if you Google DACA NIU, it should show up. And it's this new website with scholarships and mm -hmm. um, other information that might be helpful. Um, but it hasn't – like, my DACA students who are in undocumented Hoosiers Bloomington did not know about it until I let them know about it like mm. two or so weeks ago. So like it's not being promoted at all. It's something that they're doing kind of under the radar um, is my impression. Um, and then the meetings we've had with other administrators has mostly been like feeling out the policy and trying to understand kind of how these organizations work for if we um, wanted to change something. And the big thing we're advocating for right now is um, a staff member probably at the Office of International Student Services who can be publicly designated to support undocumented students. And the reasoning behind that is that the, we acknowledge that the work of Dundaki Hoosiers Bloomington might not be sustainable. Um, we were talking before we were on air how like there's these people that come into the community and leave and like the projects that they were working on leave with them. Mm. Um, just because the efforts like Dundaki Hoosiers Bloomington take a, a load of sacrifice just yes. from the people involved. And honestly, the energy that like, I did a first big push in November and kept that going till December, but the only reason there's been still productive things coming out of the organization is because new people keep being introduced who, like, keep that push going forward. And now we have a pretty strong team that, like, is able to support when they can, and that's how we've been able to make this work sustainable. But um, but you got to keep moving, like, to the kids, like, the students who are coming in, yeah. right? And you got to keep bringing in new folks because people keep graduating and leaving. Which, which is a difficult <laughs> task that doesn't always happen. So the right. idea behind having the staff member is making some of the things that we are we already offer as an organization and just making it institutionalized. Exactly. So like undocumented students should have a support group or space, a mentorship program Permanent or something. Staff as opposed to. Yeah. Right. And mm -hmm. people who would advocate them, advocate for them, who, again, are educated on how university systems work. Some mm -hmm. of the 
jobs they're tasking in Docky Hoosiers Bloomington with is something stuff that people have degrees to do. We have programs like the library, like the School of Social Work, like different programs asking us for support to like come and talk and I'm like I'm a poet grad student <laughs> like I, I, I'm like and like we're a coalition of students and community members and like right. we do what we can but we are not professionals when it comes to this and there are people who get doctoral degrees on how to um, mentor students and to understand the university system which is very complex and shifting right. and that's like the bureaucracy in itself in and of itself is a monster to Have understand. Have you tried partnering with some of those those peoples? Um, yes, to a certain extent. Like um, the group in Washington is one of those groups mm. that I would consider that we've been like trying to partner with that has been giving us a lot of advice. Part of it though is just that um, when we've when we decide what we're focusing our effort on, fundraising has been one of those things that's like we do these educational events, we try to raise money for these scholarships because mm. those concrete things we're able to offer is what's gonna be most productive for our communities and that in and of itself takes a lot of our energy and time. We would love to be reaching out to like multiple professors and being like, oh, how can we like meet up and link and talk about this? But this that takes a lot of, um, yes, um, kind of grunt work well, on a certain to, end, trying to go to class, that trying to goal. like you know do your work. I mean, it's a lot yeah, it's, it's a on, lot right? to, that you end up juggling. So yeah. there's a lot of that coalition building that we're hoping to do, and that is happening. It's just mm -hmm. a slow process because you have to build those relationships and make sure you trust people. We've had several meetings with faculty members just talking about Sanctuary Campus that like we we would hope would be more fruitful but what mm. they ended up being were yes like meetings where we debated about sanctuary campus for a bit and then like we didn't oh. end up seeing any like more effort or work come from it some faculty members have ended up being like real like huge champions like Shane Green um like like Ellen Wu there's been a lot of faculty mm. members who have given a lot um but sometimes you don't know what's going to come out of the other end of that promise um mm -hmm. it's kind of you have to pick your battles as an activist like what you think would be most productive and if it's up to putting money in an undocumented student's pocket versus meeting with a professor for like two hours and like not being sure whether anything's going to come out of it um, we've chosen at least at this point. Um, we might sure. refocus later, but that's kind of where we're at right now. And the police, how how's their interaction yeah. been? So we have not been in direct communication with any police officers or anything like that. What I can tell you is um, through El Centro Comunal Latino and um, through Bloomington Immigrants Rights, which is the group that we're coalition with to mm -hmm. create the workshops, um, they've been in conversation with the police. <coughs> um, and their policy is similar, from my understanding right now, um, is that their policy is similar to the schools where and they're not going to outwardly say that they are going to um, not follow Trump's orders, but like on the low that they're like not planning on doing that. And what they end up doing is dropping off anybody who they um, do end up like dealing with who's undocumented and they end up dropping off to the sheriff's office where the sheriff handles it. Now, we're not I, as an individual, am not sure what happens once that sheriff's at the sheriff's place. Um, but there's various groups right now trying to figure out how that process is working and whether they're collaborating with ICE. Um, and uh, the impression is, is that they are, just because mm -hmm. people are being deported and we can see that. Right. Um, but the particulars there, I am not fully aware of. Mm. And there's groups right now investigating that and trying to figure out what the best way to approach that would be. And when I speak to community leaders, at least in the Latino community, they say that the work these groups are doing to investigate this would be good because then we'll, we'll know for sure what is actually happening. So my impression is not 
a lot of the community doesn't actually know what these policies end up looking like on a ground level for police and for the sheriff's office when it comes to ICE. Because I know that even on the campus, right, that the provost position has been, we won't actively try to help them until compelled to do so, which basically means until they serve us with subpoenas, et cetera, Mm -hmm. that, you know, but so that's one step short of actually really being a sanctuary campus, right? Because being a sanctuary campus or sanctuary city means that you will say no regardless of the paperwork that you're served with, mm-hmm. you know, because you believe those laws to be unethical and immoral and unjust, mm-hmm. right? And so the provost has said that we will we'll only go up to this certain line. And apparently that's what BPD has supposedly said is that they'll only go up to that line, that they won't actively help. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're not going to like, if they pick somebody up for littering or jaywalking or drunk and disorderly, they're not going to, you know, if they discover that they're undocumented, they're not going to report them or turn them over, supposedly. That's, mm-hmm. that's supposedly. The, the, theoretically, that's what we're being told, but whether or not that's actually what's happening is unclear at this time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I appreciate very much that, that you brought that up because I was like, yeah, there's a slippery slope there and there's a lot of, there's a lot of gray. Um, I wanted to ask you, both of you, really, a couple of things. One, you had mentioned about the, um, the social justice course, mm-hmm. right? in the gen ed curriculum. I was wondering if maybe you could talk a little bit more about that so that people understand what what mm-hmm. that is um, that you know we've been sort of asking for collectively for a long time. Um, mm-hmm. And then also, um, what was I gonna say next? Oh, it'll come back to me. Let's start with that. It just went can, in my head and went right I out of my head. It'll come that. back. Um, so l- last spring, again, there was um, a solidarity photo that the BGSA and the BSU took um, with um, the students at Mizzou. Um, and on Yik Yak, Bloomington exploded with a lot of racist commentary, right? So because of that, there was a lot of energy on campus and a lot of student groups starting to meet and organize about what they wanted Yik-yak to do. Yik Yak is terrible. Yeah. Um, and then the provost had a diversity task force that I ended up being on. Um, and this is a complicated process, but eventually what ended up happening um, regardless of how much interaction we actually had with the provost was that we pushed through um, to the Bloomington Faculty Council floor a resolution in support of a social justice general ed curriculum. Um, The way we devise it would be that it wouldn't require students to take any more classes than they were already taking. Um, And also for more faculty of color and for Pell Grants for low-income students. Um, With the idea being is that we believe in education. Mm -hmm. We believe that like students who um, partake in wonderful gender studies classes, Latino studies courses, all these courses that (laughs) students take that they find really um, enlightening and yes, to change like the way they view the world, mm-hmm. um, that these courses could are valuable for everyone and not, yes, for people who belong to those, you know, um, minoritized groups. So we, the Bloomington Faculty Council passed this resolution. Um, so it's something that the Bloomington faculty, at least, has already promised the students that mm-hmm. they're going to do. And what we've found so far is that um, this process of getting this implemented has been really choked up within a lot of bureaucratic things that the BFC does. Um, the most cynical students would say that Provost Robel has um, charged the committees with a lot of irrelevant tasks to do that has prevented them from reaching um, like the actual institution changing stuff, which would be to some social justice curriculum. Um, but that is where we're at right now. Um, there hasn't been very much work at all done on this. And 
last semester I was talking to two IUSA reps who have been trying to follow this and make sure it happens, who were just frustrated and felt like they had nowhere else to go, who had talked to a lot of faculty and administrators mm -hmm. and were like, nobody's doing anything towards this. And this wouldn't even require, um, you know, it's cl classes that we already teach mm -hmm. with faculty that are already here but it would basically be creating a list of approved courses that would qualify to fulfill that social justice, mm -hmm. you know, portion of the gen ed curriculum. And you could take one of those classes and that would check yeah. and it counts mm -hmm. towards your overall degree anyway. Absolutely. Um, so it's not like it would actually literally require anything above and beyond. We already have people, I mean, I teach African-American history classes. I teach gender yeah, studies exactly. classes. Ellen Wu teaches Asian-American history classes, right? We have all exactly. of these courses, Latino studies, Jewish studies. We have the faculty, we're a premier research fund facility, we have the courses. Mm -hmm. It would just mean putting them in this one section and saying, hey, every person who comes through IU has to take at least one of these mm -hmm. before they graduate. Absolutely. Because a four hour diversity training workshop doesn't go very far, but 15 mm -hmm. weeks with a whole bunch of other people who don't necessarily look like you or think like you, being exposed to material you've never been exposed to can radically alter you mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and alter the way you critically think and analyze and see the world. Right. And this is stuff that we believe everybody can benefit from. Yes. It's not just targeting like a particular student group and mm -hmm. just understanding like this process of like unlearning racism, sexism or like whatever cultural exactly. ism that's there takes longer than like a workshop. It takes like it yes. takes a, like years long of processing and like we don't expect mm -hmm. college education to do all the work. No. But if it can do part of the work, then why not? Enlighten you just a little bit. Just start <laughs> you down the road. Right. Yeah. You mentioned a couple of times uh, your lifeblood money. <laughs> your scholarship program um, how can our listeners if they want to donate Mm -hmm. to hear more about the scholarship information, how can they contact you for that information? So you can look us up on Facebook at Undocu Hoosiers Bloomington. Um, and on there, we have links to um, different online platforms where you can donate through the PayPal. Um, and all of that money either goes to help pay for bail bonds for undocumented um, students or community members who have been picked up mm -hmm. um, by ICE or goes to the undocumented student scholarships. Um, and that's all we've been using the money for. Um, it goes straight there. Um, so that's one way that they can donate. Um, one thing that um, there's a lot of people who ask, like, as allies, what can I do? Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> and the fundraising being something that, like, if you can organize an event where, like, there's some English students at IU who, like, just organized a party and, like, charged $3 at the door and, like, just had pizza for people and then donated that money to Don Docky, who's just Bloomington afterwards. There's, like, very small things and gestures like that that go a long way for it. the undocumented student who ends up having that money in their pocket and like being able to afford tuition one more semester right um so there's small efforts like that for people who aren't you know like ready to jump into like the thick of the activism work just because mm -hmm. like people are busy and like have a lot of things that they have to do to like support the community right but I, and i just wrote this down uh right before you mentioned that other students their actions, reactions, both positive and negative. To Ndaki Hoosiers Bloomington? Um, from the communities I've been involved with, it's been overwhelmingly positive. We've received a lot of support from a diverse number of student groups from the BAGSA. Um, there was a point in time in January and February where we couldn't hold a meeting without, like, having La Casa packed with mm. like at least 80 students or so, which it, it became a, a logistics <laughs> like mess for us trying to figure out how to make that many people productive in a space. Um, and as far as negative, there's been graffiti we've seen around town um, that has either been straight 
out-racist or anti-sanctuary campus. Um, that's, like, reaction coming from, like, when we've held the rallies, there's been people yelling slurs at us, mm-hmm. telling us to go back to Mexico and stuff like that. Um, so those are kind of the reactions we see. But a lot of the people who are antagonistic actually – they don't show up to meetings. They don't engage you. Like they don't actually engage. They just like hate from afar, mm-hmm. um, which hopefully, like I mean, we're not. The, we don't see ourselves as like trying to reach out to those people in particular. Um, we're here for community members who are ready to help and to support undocumented students. Like we're not exactly the group that's going to exhaust ourselves trying to change the mind of racists right now. We don't have the like human power to do that at this point. So Esmeralda, let me maybe maybe you could tell us about the upcoming event that I mentioned earlier at, at Yulzing Coffee House. I know that there's going to be some poetry reading, and you know this is a way that people could come you know, show up, donate a little money, you know, mm-hmm. and, and help out because it kind of goes along with what Cornelius was just, <coughs> what you guys were talking about, about fundraising efforts. Yeah, um, actually, I don't know too much about that event in particular. Um, I focus more on like the ones at the Bishop. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Um, yeah, which... and I actually don't know about this either. So my impression <laughs> is that this is an ally group that's doing this oh, in support. And so that they're just going to Ross Gay in the English department is one of the po- poetry, oh, one of the poets who's going to be reading. Wonderful. I just read about it earlier today, and that's why I was so excited because it's it's a fundraiser for you guys. Yeah, and this is something that like, <laughs> and this is what I'm saying when we ask our allies to do fundraising that's shows, this awesome. is them doing it on their own. They're so like going to charge like, basically $5 admission at the yeah, door, this and is the wonderful. money is going to go. Exactly what we're talking about. That's awesome. This is the first time I hear of it, to be honest. (laughs) So see, this is is one of those ally things, Mm -hmm. as opposed to you guys organizing it, someone else did. And And that's like... When is the the event? (laughs) uh, When I find out, we'll make sure we get it on the community calendar so that we can read it. Absolutely. But let's talk then about some of the other student organizations that you have been partnering with and and doing work with this year. And I know that that's something that you want to keep building on, Esmeralda, Mm -hmm. so maybe you can talk to us a little bit about that. Absolutely. Uh, so one of the student organizations we've done some work with is like the MSA Muslim Student Association mm. and uh, also No Lost Generations. Um, the MSA and us have mostly just kind of like supported each other and like spread the word of our events and things of that sort. Um, no Lost Generations, which is like it's a student run organization that works to fundraise for Exodus refugee um I think it's an organization. Mm-hmm. Exodus, um, yeah. Exodus, mm-hmm. yeah, in Indianapolis. Uh, we had actually, we had them come to one of our events for the Undocumented Students Week, and um, they were just part of the panelists um, that just talked about um, how immigration and, like, the whole policing system kind of are, I mean, they're completely hand-in-hand, hand, and just gave us the perspective of uh, someone that might be a refugee and for some reason like come out of or like what was it they call fall out of out of status or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, fall out of status of being a refugee and so just like the implications that that'll cause. Um but also just kind of like the complications that have come from the current presidency. Um because how we were talking earlier, people might get pulled over just because their skin tone is darker. Um mm-hmm. and they might be asked like for documentation and this this person might might have been uh, a refugee or like had the refugee status prior to whatever incident might have happened. Um, And so now they just have the whole complication of like having to be detained, but also the double jeopardy of being detained and then having to face like deportation. Um, Back to a country where they might not. Where they were fleeing for for valid reasons. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, So that was our 
the start of our relationship with um, No Lost Generations, mm -hmm. um, but also just because it's towards the end of the semester, we've just been discussing um, future events that we'd be hosting mm -hmm. together. The same with MSA and um, other organizations. It's just... I know that lot. you've done a lot of work with SASV mm -hmm. over this past mm -hmm. year. I mean, when I think of like the two groups that have had the largest impact on our campus this past year, you and SASV are the two that I think about. Mm -hmm. And we had the SASV sort of founders, um, you know, and movers and shakers here in the fall, on awesome. the show in the fall. So um, Stanley um, Chaguna and Nick mm -hmm. Grevin and mm -hmm. Alice Corey were, were here. And it was also a way to pump up for um, Inaugurate the Revolution oh, that was coming in January. So maybe you could talk to us a little bit about the work that you guys have been doing with SASV or that you hope to continue doing with them. So the relationship we have with SASV is really interesting because we Students generally against keep, state violence, by yes, the way. Yes, students <laughs> against state violence. Is that There's been, like, Nick Grevin was involved in a lot of the early in Docky Hoosier mm -hmm. um, Bloomington. He was on our board um, mm -hmm. helping fundraise. So we've generally kept up on each other's activities, but to a certain extent have, like, because Students Against State Violence is really aggressive with the way that they do some of their work. Um, and we, like, fully support it and everything. But Undocu Hoosiers Bloomington, because we, um, for the Undocu Student Week, for instance, we were relying on institutional funding. So we oftentimes like to play by, like, the quote-unquote rule book about being like, oh, we're not going to, like, directly talk Provost Robel or, like, any of these administrators who we're working with um, and, like, try to have conversations with them. Um, you want to keep the doors open. Yeah, we're trying to keep the doors open because, like, our, our primary concern is getting more resources for undocumented students. Right. Um, but that being said, students against state violence have been, like, monumental in their support for our efforts. Oftentimes we share... Um, the sort of work we're doing amongst our networks just because mm -hmm. the, it goes hand in hand. Um, their students are some of the bravest um, activists on campus. Um, just press Tuesday with the Charles Murray talk. Um, a lot of the students against state violence were the people who are on the front lines um, com um, combating um, and also pushing against um, his white supremacist rhetoric mm -hmm. and also, you know, being at the front lines while the police um, were trying to silence our um, freedom of speech. So, like, our work definitely goes hand in hand, and especially if administration isn't responsive, then Students Against State Violence and Undocu Hoosier Bloomington are just going to be collaborating more and more for their efforts. Um, Students Against State Violence has been pushing for sanctuary campus and all of the goals that Undocu Hoosiers has had since the beginning. Um, so we definitely appreciate their support, and we, we keep each other in communication about the efforts we're doing um, in ways we can support one another. This has been a fascinating show. I wish we had more time, but we're out of time. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> but I tell you, one thing that I would love to do on a follow-up show is to maybe possibly have the prosecutor uh, and representatives from the police departments hmm. to get their take on where they're at now and the things that they're doing so that that could be a little more clear hmm. to everyone. Yeah, that would be wonderful. That would actually be wonderful. I mean, I know it's hard to believe, but we've been we've been on with you guys for 35 minutes and we need to move into the second half of our show. But um, for those who tuned in after we introduced our guests tonight, we just wanted to take another moment to thank the Undocu Hoosier Bloomington um, members. We had Willie Paloma and Esmeralda Martinez with us tonight. I want to thank you for joining us to discuss the initiative um, of Undocu uh, Hoosier Bloomington and also just other you know, sort of matters related to immigration policies. So if you want to learn more about 
actually undock you Hoosier Bloomington, the best way to do it is to go to their Facebook page. They have a really, really well-developed Facebook page. Um, all you have to do is type in undock you in the search bar and it'll pop you guys right up because I did it this afternoon and, <laughs> and there it was. I'm already, you know, signed mm -hmm. up on you uh, for your guys anyway. So, uh, but uh, thank you for being here tonight so thank much. You thank us. you for having yes. us. Bring It On has an open submission policy. So if you have an idea for this program, let's hear it. Send an email to our volunteer staff. The address is bring it on at wfhb.org. We want to make sure we share everything and anything affecting the African American community with our listening audience in Bloomington and beyond. The email address once again is bring it on at wfhb.org. They'll call it a mystery, but we're gonna call it victory. We'll be right in history. It's gonna be victory. There'll be signs on top of signs, just so you know that history. It's saying victory. Heard I See Victory by gospel singer, songwriter, and producer Kim Burrell. 
The song is from the soundtrack to the 2017 Best Picture nominated movie, Hidden Figures. To keep up with local news and find out what's happening behind the scenes at WFHB, you're invited to the Like the WFHB Facebook page. Go to Facebook.com and search for WFHB. Or you can always visit WFHB News website at WFHB.org slash news. Bring It On is Indiana's only public affairs program dedicated to the African American community. Here on WFHB 91.3 FM and live on the web at WFHB.org. Now at the top of the hour, we mentioned that we have invited Liz Mitchell to come and speak with us tonight concerning a unique and special church restoration project in French Lick. She joins us now in the station. Liz Mitchell, welcome to Bring It On. Hey, good welcome, evening. Welcome, Liz. Hello, happy Monday to everybody. Are you used to being on the other, other side of the table? <laughs> Not too often, but I can handle it. <laughs> it's just good to see you, Cornelius. So tell us about the project. We are trying to restore a church that was built in West Baton, Indiana in 1909 by the African-American community. At that time, it was segregated uh, all over the U.S. and, of course, in French Lick also. So the black community had to have its own hotels, restaurants, uh, uh, barbershops, salons for hair, uh, you name it, their own community. This community was so large and economically thriving in good shape. It supported all of this and three churches, plus a school. Everything connected to the African-American com community is gone, Cornelius, except this church. So there's a reason that this little church, beautiful little church, is standing there, and it's in need of repair. I'd say about $200,000, uh, $250,000 will fix up this beautiful little gym that's sitting there in West Baden. What was the name of the church? The church has had a couple of names. It was named First uh, Baptist Church. It was named Elm uh, Street Church. And now on the front of the marquee, it says First Baptist Colored, in parentheses, mm -hmm. Baptist Church. And of course, like I said, it was built in 1909. We have right now three initiatives, possibly four to help raise money for this church. Please, I'm asking everybody, and there's no age limit. Go on this website, act.usatoday.com. That's ACT, A Community Thrives, act.usatoday.com. And Liz, why don't you let our listeners know exactly what's going on with the USA Today, the contest, and how, sure. how the church is involved. We applied for a grant, and there were several different categories, and we applied on one of the categories, and we have the opportunity to get either one of the $50,000 grants or a $100,000 grant. There are three grants offered in each category. Of course, we would like to have the $100,000 grant because that would take us halfway to our goal. And people can vote free, like my husband will say when he's kidding, free for nothing. It's free for nothing to vote, and it doesn't matter about the age. 
please vote once a day, every day. Voting started April 12th, and it ends May 12th at noon. So like I said, you go to act.usatoday.com and look for the West Baden Church Renewal Project and vote for us every day. The next thing we have is a dime a day initiative that was started by Pastor Bruce Rose at Second Baptist Church Bloomington. We're asking for people to donate 70 cents a week for a year. That ends up being about $36.50, and we figured that would target school-aged children and those who are not economically prosperous. Just anybody wants to help. Of course, if you want to donate more than that, we will take it. Now, also, I must I must add that the children's group at Second Baptist Church has already donated. They were one of the first groups the to donate. First one. And I must also say that if thirty-six fifty is a little bit too much, anything will help. Yeah, yeah, ten dollars will do, honey. We we don't care. And if you if you're going down that way to gamble or to have fun, because French Lick West Baton is beautiful, at the stoplight in West Baton, look to your left, you'll see the church. You look to the right, you're going to see a gorgeous building the West Baden Hotel. Mm. Look to your left and and look at that little church, and it'll just tug at your heart to see that. Any funds, any donations, uh, you get a tax deduction. We are a 501c3, so everything is tax deductible. Make your checks payable to Southeastern District Association, Inc., with West Baden Church Renewal Project in the memo section, and mail to West Baden Church Renewal, P.O. Box 2205, Bloomington, Indiana, 47402. Now, another initiative we have is for June the 17th. Mama Minnie's Jute Joint is coming back, y'all. Everybody, uh, this is coming back by popular demand. And the resilience team, Dr. Gladys Devane, myself, Elizabeth Mitchell, and the director of our play Resilience, Danielle Bruce, the three of us are the resilience team. We've decided to make all proceeds from this fundraiser donated to the church. We want to see this church have the breath of life again. So when did the when did the church church cease functioning? Like what, did the congregation disband? Did they move to a new building? Like when and how did this you know fall into this particular state of disrepair? When the resorts declined, starting like in the 30s and 40s, mm-hmm. um, that's when the black population left. West Baden because there were no jobs. Mm -hmm. There was nothing to sustain that community. Mm -hmm. So they left. And then the the white community there, uh, little by little, demolished anything connected to the African-American community. And in the 80s, there was a small white congregation for about four years in that church. In that building. In that building. Mm -hmm. And then since then, it sat empty. I see. Now, the interesting thing was back in, what was it, 19... Was it 1912 or 1902? The building was uh, constructed in 1909. Uh-huh. And it was sold to the African American, to the uh, church for $1. The lot was the sold. Lot was oh, the sold. lot mm-hmm. was and sold to the African American community for $1. And then the men built the church. So here we are again. West Baden is going to sell it to us for $1 once the, uh, the renovations are done. 
we will be able to purchase it for $1. But like we said, we need the minimum of 200000 to get this up and running, and that would give a little bit to sustain the congregation it's going in. I have been going down to West Bay and French Lick once a week since last year. The community cannot wait for this church to be restored. One man who's 92 said he will be the first member of the church. That's what I was told. I just came home from there today. The community is excited. They're helping to vote. The high school kids are voting. Everybody is interested in this church. And no telling how many people will come down this coming Saturday, April the 22nd. We're going to start doing some kind of work on the church this Saturday. Be there by 8 o'clock or 9 o'clock or whenever you show up and grab a broom. Now, Liz, you mentioned earlier that a lot of the black community in the French Lick area Mm -hmm. has left. The barbershops, a lot of different things. How large is the black community now? And will they be able to support the church once it's refurbished. Well, this should be up and running again as a church. It's not going to be just like a, a, a landmark. It's actually going to be a functioning church. Building. It's going to be a functioning building, mm-hmm. a functioning structure. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely a church in there, but we want it to be a multi-purpose building. So we're in discussions as what other than being a church, uh, wedding chapel, meeting rooms, that is in discussion what other purposes the church would be used for. Yes, the black community itself is gone. There's a large community of Jamaicans who have moved in, but this church will not be described by a color. Any and everybody will be welcome in this church. And so far, that's what I'm seeing from the people who are there who are interested in being members. It's not just black people. It's gonna You're going to see a mixture and I can't wait to see that is it in this church. Is it still going to be a Baptist church? It's going to be a Baptist church mm-hmm. because it's being put together. Uh, who's putting this is the Southeastern District Baptist Group. So it will be a Baptist church. We will not discriminate against anybody. This church came out of discrimination. Mm. But as it continues forward from now into the future, it will not discriminate against anyone. Now, How did you get involved with this whole project, Liz? Because, you know, this is... I would love for the listener, our listeners to kind of get a sense of you and your passion and the things that you do like all over the state. But I mean, I'd love for them to know how you directly got involved in this particular project. I started out just wanting to do uh, with my video team. We uh, we want to save and preserve the African-American experience. So a documentary is what I was trying to do and just piecing together who was members of this church. Uh, are there descendants left? exactly who belonged there. So I've gone to the cemetery and taken pictures and I'm trying to find out about the people who were there and what the community was like. Um, And then of course I'm researching for our next play, Resilience 2, to be owned by no one. So, and that's gonna deal with the Underground Railroad. So I'm finding, trying to find stories of the Underground Railroad. And then of course heard about our church wanting to put life into this little church. And that's how I got kind of involved with it. And then I thought, well, we I've been working with this video team for years, preserving is this a, history. Is this a statewide documentary project where you're trying to sort of like... It will be provided. Right. But it's Bloomington-based people who are putting this together. And once once it's finished, uh, it'll be on PBS. Preserving like black history from yes. around the state. From or West from Bay. Or- 
this one this okay. one we're working on now is from West Baden, West Baden, but we already have stuff out there from around the, from state. Around the state. Oh yes. So it's part of a larger ongoing project. Yes. Yes, we're, this is what we do, is preserve the African-American experience. And we want to educate people mm -hmm. about the life of African-Americans in the state of Indiana. And I really wish our listening audience could see some of the material that Liz put together, um, some of the pictures, some of the photos. It's just truly amazing to, to see our past and how it's uh, affecting our, our present and future. Well, thank you. And I just really hope that people will... Uh, Go ahead and vote, especially since I mentioned that it's free to do that. It only takes a moment to do that and do it every day. Uh, I do. I vote when I first wake up, then I know I did it. And one other thing, um, for people that may want to donate, how can they get in touch with you? Um, well, the best way is uh, to send their donations, make the checks out to Southeastern District Association, Inc., with West Baton Church Renewal Project, in the memo section and mail it to West Baton Church Renewal, P.O. Box 2205, Bloomington, Indiana, 47402. And like I said, it's tax deductible. You can come out on June 17th to uh, Mama Minnie's Jute Joint, have some great soul food, and make a donation there. June 11th, we will be down at West Baden. Uh, the museum there is going to open up a exhibit about the church. Oh, you can great. make a donation there. Second Baptist Church Bloomington's choir will be there singing. And we're hoping to have an ice cream social. And then maybe in the fall, a gospel explosion event with their pumpkin festival. So we have all things lined up all summer long and into the fall to help raise money for this church. It looks like, too, for those of you that are uh, tech savvy, there's a GoFundMe yes. uh, an account. So you could go to GoFundMe.com forward slash WBCRP. Um, and that way you could donate that way if you don't want to actually write out a check and put it in the mail. Um, and I think there's a phone number that you can call to donate as well, I, yes. um, I believe. 812 336-5827. So there's actually three different ways it looks like you could write out that check to the address that Liz has mentioned. You could make the, the phone you could make the phone call to 812-336-5827 or you could go visit uh, the gofundme.com forward slash WBCRP. Yes. Ooh, that's a lot of letters and I don't want to they all sound the same. WBCRP. <laughs> Let me not mess that up. <laughs> yeah, we do have, like you said, the GoFundMe. We have a Facebook set up and soon there will be a website talking about this. But you can Google West Baton Church, look up the church or take a beautiful Sunday drive down and check it out. And folks, if you like good food, good music, good, just good people having a good time, you have to check out round two of Mama Minnie's Jute Joint. Indeed. And that's going to be June... That'll be June 17th, 17th. Oh, at I'm 2450 ready. North Curry Pike at the FOP. And the cost? It'll be two tickets for 25 and one ticket for 15 Oh, I'm looking forward to that. Oh, it was great. <laughs> Starting at 5 o'clock, June 17th. Well, um, we just want to take a moment to once again thank Liz Mitchell, who is a regular Bring It On contributor, for joining us tonight on the other side of the, the desk to speak uh, um, about a unique and special church restoration project in French Lick. For WFHB, I'm Amrita Myers. And I'm Cornelius Wright. You're listening to Bring It On, Indiana's only public affairs program dedicated to the African-American community. 
here on WFHB 91.3 FM on your radio and live on the web at WFHB.org. If you have an event or happening the African American <clears throat> community should know about, please send the information directly to the Bring It On staff. Or if you'd like additional information about a calendar item that you've heard tonight, contact us at bringiton at wfhb.org. Our thanks to Undocu Hoosier Alliance members, Willie Paloma and Esmeralda Martinez, for joining us to discuss this, this initiative and other matters related to the new immigration policies. To learn more about the IBLC or to get involved, contact beinvolved at indiana.edu slash organization slash undocu hoosier that's once again beinvolved.indiana.edu slash organization slash undocu u-n-d-o-c-u hoosier you can also find undocu hoosier bloomington on facebook our show's executive producer tonight was clarence boone with help from WFHB News Department Director Joe Crawford. Our news editor is Michael Nolan. Our original theme music was created by Jamil Effium, with additional background tracks by David Baker. For WFHB, I'm Amrita Myers. And I'm Cornelius Wright. Be sure to tune in next Monday, April 24th at 6 p.m. for another exciting edition of Bring It On, right here on your community radio station, WFHB. You've been listening to Bring It On, a volunteer-powered production of Community Radio WFHB in Bloomington, Indiana. Bring It On is your forum for open dialogue on the people, issues, and events affecting the African-American community in South Central Indiana and beyond. Send your comments, suggestions, and story ideas directly to the Bring It On staff. The email address is bringit at wfhb.org. That's bringit at wfhb.org.